Good morning again, Hershey Free. My name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I just want to say thank you for joining us again for our service this morning. I'm really excited again just to give a huge shout out to the class of 2020. I want you guys to know as you graduate from your schools, as you take those steps into a new phase of life, we are so thankful for you, and we are so incredibly proud of you. You've done so much. You've walked through so many difficult moments, and you've done great things. We are so thankful for you, and we want you to know we will continue to be here for you. We will continue to walk through life with you, and we are constantly in prayer for you. We are so proud of you and all you have done, and we want you to know that we are thinking of you often and can't wait to see what you do next. As we continue this morning, we are in a series called Resilient Joy. It's a study in the book of Philippians. And I think even as we hear that title, Resilient Joy, I think if we are honest with ourselves, we don't always feel joyful. In fact, let me, let me ask you maybe to perhaps pause for a moment this morning and to think back on this past week. How were you feeling? Were you frustrated? Were you upset? Were you angry perhaps as you turned on the news and watched some of the videos that were coming in from around the country and the world? Were you, were you sad and hurting because you saw the lives of people being taken? Were you asking deep and profound questions and maybe saying, God, why? Why is this happening? Or perhaps as we've been walking through these these stay-at-home orders and, and you've been battling the tension of like, why do we have to do this? Is this really worth it? What are we actually doing right now? Did you feel the frustration, the tension? Did you feel the, the anger and the sadness this week? Many of us have, as we've battled with with difficult questions, difficult motives and thoughts and questions that we have had. But let me ask you another question. Let me ask you perhaps maybe a question that's a little bit more provocative. What has brought you joy this week? Or where have you seen joy this past week in your life? You know, I, I said this is provocative because, you know, in the midst of our present circumstances, we don't always think in that context. We don't always think about joy. In fact, we, we perhaps have maybe even said, there doesn't seem to be joy in this moment, Nick. As we turn on the news, it's depressing, Nick. There's no joy there. Maybe as you've been battling with the tension of being at home all the time and trying to find that balance of life now, you're like, there really hasn't been a lot of joy. Well, this morning, what I would like to do is I would like to look at the last few verses in the book of Philippians chapter 1 and to take a look at a challenge that Paul gives to us as believers, a challenge that he gave to the Philippian church that transcends time and I think really speaks into our present circumstances. And the challenge he really has for us is this, is that we can still have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. In the midst of a life feeling like it's in this state of upheaval where we are angry and frustrated, where there's tensions that we can't even articulate, we can still find joy. And so I would invite you to open your Bibles or to to look it up on your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever you're using this morning. And to look at Philippians chapter 1 beginning in verse 27. And you can follow along as I read that for us. It begins, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner... Worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that is by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had, and now hear that I still have. Now, as we're reading that, you're probably going, hang on, Nick, wait. You just said you were going to talk about having joy. That passage really doesn't sound like there's a lot of joy in it, Nick. In fact, I would agree with you by saying, let's look at some of the words, some of the phrases that we hear, right? There's opposition, there's destruction, there's fear, there's suffering, there's ongoing suffering. We're going, how in the world, Nick, are we supposed to have joy based upon that text? Well, you see, here's the problem. I think sometimes when we look at a passage, we look at it from a humanistic standpoint. We look at it from from our personal perspective rather than from a spiritual perspective. Because right away in this passage, Paul actually gives us a challenge. He gives us a challenge that I believe shapes our lives and teaches us how to have joy even in difficult moments. Check out the challenge that Paul gives. It's this. He says, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Right away in verse 27. And some of you may be looking at your Bible and may even say, hey, live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Now, here's the crazy thing. When you go into the Greek, when you start studying the the, the way the sentence is composed in the Greek, Paul is actually using language that talks about citizenship. And so what he's actually saying in this text is this. He's like, remember that who you are, you are a citizen of the gospel. Remember, the gospel literally translates to the good news, right? The good news that Jesus came, that he died in our place because we deserve death, because we are sinners. But Jesus said, don't worry, I got this. And he went and he hung on the cross. And the sin, the way of the world was put upon him. And as he hung there, as he paid the ultimate price for our transgressions, he died. Now, it would have been one thing if he paid the price. That would have been awesome. But we would have still been bound to death. Death would still have been our final option. But instead, he defeated death and he defeated sin when he rose from the grave. And so what Paul is doing is he's saying, do you remember who you are? He's challenging us to recall our identity. He's challenging us to remember that we are to live as citizens, not of this world, not of this country, but as citizens of heaven. He's saying, remember, folks, who you are first and foremost. Your identity is in the good news. Your citizenship is in the good news that Jesus came for you and for me. That he came to die on behalf of this world so nobody has to deal with that pain anymore. And he's saying, do you understand this challenge? Paul wants us as followers of Jesus to realize that this world, this country, these ideologies, these personal preferences that we have are not the identifying characteristics of who we are. We are citizens of the gospel. We are children of the king. We are people who are called to be different as we are ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. That is what Paul is challenging us to today. He's saying, look, you are to be different. When people see you, when they interact 
interact with you. They should understand that your identity is not here. You see, although this world is in utter chaos at this moment, we can still find joy in our hope of the gospel because our identity, our citizenship is in Jesus Christ. And I think as we look at this, we can understand this in a few different ways. You see, as a citizen of heaven, people should see Jesus in our actions and reactions. They should understand that how we engage with this world, how we look and interact with one another, should be a reflection of the gospel. That people should see Jesus in how we interact and what we do to one another. They should know him. They should see him in those moments. But they should not just see him. They should hear him. They should hear him in our speech, in our conversations with one another, with our posts on social media. They should hear Jesus. It's not just that they see him and they see us doing a good work. They should hear him in our speech and in our electronic media. People shouldn't hear an agenda or a political point. They should hear Jesus and what we do and say. But they should also know Jesus by our love. You see, it's not just that they see him in what we do or hear him in our speech. Folks, our actions and our love for one another and for this world should be a reflection of Jesus. You see, right now, arguably, our world does not see Jesus all the time. If you turn on the news right now, you see a world that does not understand what love looks like. It is fractured and it is broken. There is tension that is surmounting in churches and families and around countries and around the world. But arguably, if we are to reflect Jesus, if we have to remember that we are citizens, we are people who are called to live lives that are worthy of the gospel, should not people see Jesus in all these capacities in our lives? Should they not see him in our actions? Should they not hear him in our speech and conversations? And should they not know him by how we love one another? What if we live this out? What if we let go of personal preference, of ideologies? What if we let go of of a, a specific preference that we have for how a country or a state should be led. And instead we said, no, we are citizens of heaven. That and that alone defines how I live out my life and how I care about this country and the people I interact with. What if that was how we lived? That is what Paul is calling us to when he says, live a life, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Remember your citizenship is not here It's not to this world, this country, to anything tangible, to a human being. It is to Jesus Christ and him alone because he took the sacrifice that you couldn't give, that I couldn't give. And he said, I am paying it for you, so live in light of that. And I think we hear this and we go, that's great, Nick. We affirm that, Nick. This is a great way to approach it, Nick. But realistically, how do we do this? Because this is hard. And I'm going to be really honest with you guys right now. This past week has hit me in ways that I never thought I would have ever had to experience. And I have been forced to have to wrestle with some of these truths because I have to be honest with you. I don't think Jesus is always seen in my actions. I don't think he's always heard in my conversations. I can definitely tell you he is not always known by how I love others. That doesn't mean we don't try. It doesn't mean we don't make strides to be better. 
And I think this past week has shown us that we can do better, that we as followers of Jesus, we can rally folks, that we can show this world who he is, that we can show the world who Jesus is by how we love them, how we speak about one another and how we care for each other. And I think if we just simply say this is hard and we push it to the side, we are not identifying with our citizenship in heaven. And so I want to give you maybe a few concrete ways to really think about how we can live this out in our lives. And the first is this, is to stand firm. And we actually see this way back in the beginning of the passage. If you go back to verse 27, Paul says, Whether I come to see you or I only hear about you in my absence, I know that you will stand firm in the one spirit. He's hearkening us back to that truth about where our identity lies, where it comes from. You see, our identity is not here. It is in the gospel, the good news, the spirit. That is who we are. So that way, when we are standing firm in the truth, in the gospel, the truth that God conquered death, that he has restored us, that he offers us hope, that he brings joy that cannot be contained, that he has been in all and through all and he has conquered all. When we realize that, then we can stand firm. Because we're not putting in anything tangible or anything that can change. We are putting it in the one thing that has forever been and always will be, which is the truth of the gospel, that God is God, that he is sovereign. That is why we stand firm. That is why we stand firm. That is why we hold on to that truth. But it's not just that we stand firm. You see, we also then need to do life together. And that goes back again into verse 27. If you look back there again, right after he talks about standing firm in the gospel, in the spirit, he says, continue to strive together as one for the faith of the gospel. And I love this because Paul says, look, your goal is to do this as members of the gospel, as citizens of heaven. That is what you are to be striving for. When you do life together, you do it because of the gospel. You continue to love and care for one another because that's what the gospel is about. It's about the love that God had for us to save us from eternal damnation, to save us from the, the depths of our sin and to free us and to give us life everlasting. He's saying, look, so continue to do life Together, do it unified. There is so much division. And arguably there was division in the church of Philippi too as they were trying to figure out what do we do? Do we follow the Roman government? Do we follow Christianity? Do we do this? Do we do that? How do we do this? And Paul says you are unified under the gospel. Do life together. And yes, that looks different now. Especially in our context. It just looks different. But that doesn't mean the mission changed. The mission remains simply the way that we work it out looks different. It could be through a conversation. It could be just having a smaller group getting together and caring for one another. Knowing when somebody is hurting, walking with them. Be willing to listen and learn. Being willing to let others hear what you have to say. Being willing to step in the gap when people are struggling. To say, we are here for you because the gospel challenges us to be different. So let our actions, our words, our ability to hear and listen define how we do life together. And then lastly, it's by not giving in to fear or frustration. You see, I'm not saying that fear and frustration are gone. Because arguably, that will always be a part of what happens in our lives. But we are not giving in to fear and frustration. You see, here's the reason I think we tend to do that. We give in to fear and frustration because we put our hope 
in something tangible. We tend to put our hope into people or things. We tend to put our hope into promises that people offer up. But here's the problem. Those don't stay the same. They don't remain. They change. They fail. They collapse. And if that is where we are putting our hope, we will always end up frustrated and we will always end up living in fear. You see, here's the reality. Fear is the absence of hope and joy. When our hope is in Christ, who has conquered fear, when he has conquered death, it readjusts how we view our world. It changes the lens the lens that we have for how we engage with everything going on around us. It changes our perspective because it brings us back to where our identity should be. When our hope and joy is found in Jesus Christ alone, that changes everything. It changes our viewpoints. It changes how we speak. It changes how we think. It changes how we engage with this world because we are going. He and he alone, the good news defines who I am. So I'm no longer living in fear and frustration. They are not just simply forgotten. They still happen periodically, but I can rest. I can rest in the hope and the joy of the gospel. And so even in those dark moments, when everything seems like it's giving way, when life is turned upside down, when we are asking questions and we don't know why, Paul says, stand firm. Remember what you are. You are a child of the king. You are sons and daughters of God. You have been called into citizenship in heaven. So live a life that is worthy of that. Reflect that to the world. Remember to do life together that when people are struggling, you are walking with, you are for them. And remember, don't give in to fear and frustration. Put your hope into the only thing that is going to change who you are. Folks, I asked you a question in the very beginning. Do you remember what it was? It was this. What has brought you joy this week? In the midst of our present circumstances, what has brought you joy? And maybe now, maybe now it's time to pause and reflect and to go, okay, maybe, maybe if I just refresh and step back, I can see where God has brought joy into my life. But let me ask you another question. Are you willing to live a life filled with joy that is worthy of the gospel? Realistically, are you willing to die to self? And are you willing to live a life that is worthy of the citizenship of heaven that we have? Are you willing to let your preferences, your ideologies, your perspectives, Go by the wayside. Instead, champion the gospel. Are you willing to be an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven who lives with joy, even in difficult circumstances, saying, I serve the king. He saved me. He wants to save you. Let that be the defining characteristic of our lives. Nothing else. And then the last question is this, is that if you're willing to do that, who can you share that joy with? Who can you share the hope of the gospel with this week? Who can you show that you are standing firm, that you're doing life together, and that you're not giving in to fear? Who can you show that to? May Jesus be seen in our actions and reactions. 
May he be heard in our conversations. And may he be known by how we love one another in this world. Because this world desperately needs a savior. May we be the ambassadors that bring that truth to this world. Will you pray with me? Father God, this week has brought many of us face-to-face, perhaps with, with parts of ourselves that we did not want to see. Over the course of the past couple of months, we have dealt with very difficult circumstances. And we've had to face the realities that there have been questions that we've had, doubts that we've had, and perhaps that we have put our, our hope into things that are not, that are not you, Father. And so I pray, Lord, that today, that as we reflect on this passage, that perhaps, God, that you grab a hold of our hearts afresh. May we see that you are challenging us to be different, to find our identity, our citizenship in you. Father, may that be what defines us and nothing else. May that be what spurs our conversations and our actions. May that be what spurs how we love and care for those who are hurting as we love and care for those that we are doing life with, Father. Father, may we never forget that our citizenship is in heaven. May we live lives that are worthy of the gospel, the good news that you've brought to us. We pray this in the name of our Savior who brought us that gospel, Jesus Christ. Amen.